you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. All right, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. I am a little bit excited. I am here with one of my favorite people, Brooke Walker. Oh, Welcome. I will pay you later for that kind, kind, <laughs> complimentary introduction. I'm so excited. I'm nervous. I'm usually the one asking questions, so you've turned the tables on me. Well, that's the thing. I was I was talking to my mom, who loves, she watches your show religiously. Aww. She loves you, and so do I, but she's there in Utah. She's watching, and I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm supposed to interview the master of interviews. <laughs> What in the world? So if things go bad, just start asking me questions, okay? Okay, (laughs) we'll both slip back into our comfort zones. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. And I love your podcast. You know I adore you and the work that you do to champion women out there. So I'm honored. I'm so honored. Well, welcome. Well, Brooke, you are... You are the executive producer. You are the host of Studio 5, which is the morning show in Utah. Can you tell us just a little bit more about like who you are, how you got to what you're doing? Sure, sure. I like to start with the titles I'm most proud of. I'm I'm a wife to Mark. We've been married four years. Five years. Correction. Five years. We've been married five (laughs) years in December. And we are the proud parents of Emmy, who is two, almost three, she will tell you, and Boston, who just turned one in February. And we have um, our third baby girl on the way coming up at the end of September. So (gasps) those are my most cherished and, and treasured titles, our wife and mother. As you mentioned, kind of on the side, it doesn't feel on the side some days, but I am the host and executive producer of Studio 5, and as you perfectly described, it's a lifestyle show that is produced and broadcast out of Salt Lake City, Utah, the NBC affiliate KSL-TV here. We broadcast to the regional areas, a few surrounding states as well, but we're a lifestyle show that focuses on parenting and relationships and bettering homes and communities and um, empowering women and mothers. And it's just been an honor to serve in this role for 12 years. Prior to this, I was a news reporter for KSL TV over in the news division. And I enjoyed doing that. But I got to tell you, when the invitation came to do lifestyle, it was an unexpected turn for me. But I jumped at it because it's the happy sunshine rainbow side of the street. (laughs) And I never apologize for being able to kind of play up the positive in, in the, in the world of content and topics. So I feel really grateful to be in this role. Yeah. And we need it. We need the positive. And I really love, um, if you guys do not watch um, this because maybe you're not in Utah or whatever, the great thing about your show is that it really focuses on like really helping mothers and women and families. Like that really is the focus. It's, it seems less about like the fluffy things. <laughs> you guys talk about real stuff. I appreciate stuff. <laughs> that. I appreciate that. We do pride ourselves in in offering conversations that provide provide depth, you know, unlike many lifestyle shows these days, we purposely sidestep the celebrity, the holiday Hollywood gossip, and we focus more on what we hope is substantial content that women out there are craving. And I joke about it being kind of the sunshine rainbow side of the street. It is but we're not afraid to take on those topics that we know real women, those real topics that real women are facing every day. We touched on, I mean, just in the past week alone, we've talked about pornography, addiction recovery. We've talked about 
postpartum depression. I mean, we're not afraid to take on those topics. We just hopefully do them in a solution-oriented way. So I appreciate that opportunity to connect with women through the screen because women need that kind of support and those those solution helplines. So I hope that we're contributing <laughs> to that. I hope we are. Um, you definitely are. And um, sometimes you... I don't know why, but you let me come on and it's the best. I need to just tell you, I need to tell people who are not listening. I mean, who are listening, who haven't ever done that. It is crazy how you, Brooke, can like meet. I see you interact when I was there. I saw you interact with everyone on the show and you have to, you have to interview like six people sometimes on a show or lead the conversation, you know, with them. And Mm -hmm. I am amazed at how you navigate like knowing these people personally and personally interacting with them to where you make them feel awesome. And so that is a gift. (laughs) Oh, that's so kind of you to say. Well, we love having you on. I have to say that. And you have never been nervous. You haven't even shown any of those first guest, (laughs) first appearance nerves. You were smooth sailing, solid as a rock and really enjoyed our conversations together. But that's one of the, really the, the highlights of my day and, and, People always ask, "What's the best part about your job?" And there are so I could I could laundry list a bunch of um, a bunch of things that I love about communications and television. But specifically, at the very tip top of that favorite list is getting to connect with so many different people from so many different walks of life and ages and stages, and they all bring their opinions and their passions and their creativity. And the studio is a really invigorating place to be. So I really enjoy that personal connection with the guests that I hope you know viewers through the screen feel as well. So I want to ask you about that. So because you have so many different types of people and different viewpoints, so how do you connect with um, women, well, and men, you have both on there, that maybe um, you wouldn't necessarily every day connect with them, but you have to. Like, that's your job is to connect with them and bring out the best with them. And so how do you do that? How do you? How are you able to do that so well? Well, I have to give huge credit to our production team here at Studio 5 because we have our team is a go-girl female force of these (laughs) fabulous women. Um, We have a handful of producers here. And again, they represent kind of the demographic, the the various demographics that I was describing, like different ages and stages. We have a cute new grandma on our on our production staff. We have a we call her our young blood millennial. I mean, we have so many different stages of life represented just within our own team. And they are hard at work behind the scenes helping. You know, they talk to these people and these guests and research these topics long before I ever lay eyes on a script or on a topic set. So they're kind of doing that behind the scenes connection, drawing out our guest strengths and also focusing in on, you know, the nuggets within the topic set that they think will be so interesting and so impactful. And so they're, they're putting that in front of me. They're putting the best of the best in front of me. And then really on in the moment, my job is just to pull those, those nuggets out and play those play those best skill sets to the very top. And, and I, I do, you do come to observe different things about people as far as communication goes. Like I'm always analyzing people's, I call it their conversational rhythm when they take breaths and when they, you do kind of learn (laughs) the idiosyncrasies of communication so that you can hopefully insert yourself in a natural way. Cause you really have a couple minutes sometimes in between commercial breaks to form those little mini relationships. So you do become a little attuned to some communication details, I think in, in human nature, but um, I just really enjoy the, the conversation, and I really, really appreciate that people trust me with that because you put a camera in front of any conversation that can take on a different tone. Yeah, absolutely. So will you tell us about your journey to get to be executive producer and co-host because you didn't start out like that. Were you always, was this always a dream of yours? And like, how did you get there? 
You know what? It's a silly story. And I used to kind of sidestep around it. And finally, I just thought, I'll just tell it how it is. So I'll just be that open and candid with you. I went to Brigham Young University with the goal and desire to find a man, get married and be a mom. And I used to think that sounded (laughs) silly. And now I'm just like, you know what? It's factual. So that was my goal. I mean, obviously educational pursuits were a nice bonus and I was, I was scholastically minded. I don't want to short sell myself there, but I really didn't have any huge career aspirations or desires. I was always super interested in current events. I loved storytelling. I've, I've always been a people person. And so broadcast journalism seemed like a natural field of study. But after completing the broadcast journalism program at BYU and I found myself without those, you know, goals of a man and a marriage and (laughs) potential motherhood. So I thought I better do something with this. And I had done an internship at the time. I was actually working for the public affairs department of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I did an internship for them in conjunction with my schooling, I think my sophomore year at BYU. And they hired me after that. I was enjoying kind of the public affairs side of things and obviously working for an organization that as a member of that church, I was personally um, motivated and attached to. And I did a side internship with KSL my junior year as part of the news division. And the same thing happened. We wrapped up that internship. And at the time to, I'm thinking I better do something with this broadcast experience. I was putting together a VHS resume tape. Like literally we would dub tapes to send out as our resume and that makes me feel really old to say that, but I am, I am saying it over Skype. So that, that was an accomplishment yes. for me today on the technology <laughs> side, but I was getting ready to send out these tapes and I took my tape, my resume tape to our news director as a humble little intern here. And I said, could you look at this? Could you tell me what you think? As I'm in the back of my mind thinking, do I really want to send these tapes out all over and find a news gig at a little station, you know, around the country? I guess I do. And this news director watched it and he watched it from start to finish. And he kind of just sat back and said, well, do you want to stick around? And I didn't quite know what that meant. I remember calling my dad that night and saying, I think I just got a job. And he's like, did they offer you money? Because unless there was talk of compensation and a paycheck, I think you're just a hobbyist, like a forever intern. I said, no, I really think I did. Anyway, they brought me on here so graciously at the ripe old age of 20 as a field producer, which meant I would go out in the field and I would produce, I would do the interviews, I would transcribe the interviews, I would write the stories, work with the editors to put together the stories, and then I would hand over all of that work to a a senior colleague, a reporter, another anchor, and they would step in front of the camera and they would read my words and present my work. And I did that for a while, and it was great because I was able to gain those news chops and that writing experience, and that field experience. And all the while I was working with a talented journalist here at KSL and they were mentoring me and teaching me along the way and helping me grow and progress. And then literally one day it was like somebody got sick and the backup got sick and the backup's backup was sick. And there sits that little eager beaver field producer, intern turned field <laughs> producer. And they kind of started to throw me some bones and I got to do some of my own reports here and there. And that kind of grew into a part-time news reporter position I continued to field produce for other reporters while, you know, here and there doing my own reports. And then, you know, back in 2005, there was rumblings of a lifestyle show that KSL was starting. And that was super rare for a brand like KSL at the time. They were, they still are a legacy news brand and they hadn't really branched out into the world of lifestyle television. So it was definitely a new venture for the station. And I was approached and asked if I wanted to screen test, which I thought would just be another awesome experience, right? Another, another uh, feather to put in my experience cap, so to speak. And to my absolute delight slash stunned surprise, they offered me the position as co-host of Studio 5. I was 21 years old. I was super inexperienced. I can't even bring myself to look back at those early tapes because (laughs) it was so painful. You know, a lot of 
Well, in the television industry, it's broken up into markets. And a lot of people start out in smaller markets. They're able to gain their experience and cut their teeth, so to speak, speak in front of smaller audiences at smaller news shops. And KSL is a pretty, Salt Lake's a rather large market. And so it was a, it was a throw her out to see and see if she can swim sort of an experience. But I'm so grateful they stuck with me. And I actually, I, I co-hosted uh, with a dear colleague and friend, Darren Adams, for about seven years. We did the show live. And then um, about, yeah, about five or six years ago, they kind of took a different turn with the show. Darren moved on to pursue some other projects and the show took a sharper female focus. And I at that time, assumed the role as solo host and executive producer. So it was kind of a furious, fast-paced track, but one that, as I look back, I'm just so extremely grateful for. I'm grateful for people who supported me and mentored me and nurtured me and definitely grateful for the luck and timing of those opportunities and um, the chance I had to kind of grow in front of the camera. So you have been there. I didn't realize that you were there like at, in, at the very beginning of KSL. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, at the beginning of Studio Five. Studio Five. Well, yes. Yeah, that's we what helped I mean. start it off in 2005, season one, and now I remember we're, Darren. He's awesome. Yes. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I know we stay in touch to this day. I get asked about him all the time. But now we're approaching season, the start of season 13. We're anticipating that for fall of this year. So it's just crazy that it's when I signed on, when I signed my first contract for Studio Five. They said, "Oh, shows like this, if they do well, they have a shelf life of five to seven years." And at the time, I'm like. Okay, well, hopefully I can find a man in five to seven years and return back to goal number one. Um, but it's lasted a lot longer and it's developed in a way that we're really proud of. And it, yeah, it's definitely a project that I'm proud to be a part of. So let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about your motherhood because you have a three-year-old, right? And Almost you, three. Almost three. She's almost three. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I want her to stay two. And she's like I holding know. up her cute three chubby fingers like, I'm three, mama. Oh, no. Three is, you will never be cuter than when you're three years old. <laughs> Just so you know, three is a great time. Oh, good. I'm excited. <laughs> um, but you are having... You're having babies real quick, right? Like yes. You're kind of just having one after another, and that's awesome. Yes. So how has that changed how you are doing uh, like your job and being a mom? Sure. How do you do that? Sure. We're just so grateful that heaven's sending us these babies and we waited so long for them. I waited so long for them that we're just, we're just tapping our toes to get them here. So that's the fast rate of babies as well. Three and three years. You know, it's, it's like any mom out there. I think it's just a, a constant shuffle and balance. I have to just express gratitude to my employer. KSL has been so wonderful to support me in this transition. I, I have a great deal of flexibility in what I do. I continue to say super invested. I'm so passionate about Studio 5. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing here at KSL if I didn't feel that passion and that drive and that meaning in the work that we do in the studio every day. But I've definitely, it's definitely been a, you know, a priority reset. Motherhood comes first for me. And I've been fortunate enough, especially in this industry, I think it's rare to have the chance to um, fit a career like this in between those most important priorities of wife and motherhood. So I assess it all the time. It's a constant ongoing assessment. Like as long as my priorities are able to stay in check and I feel like I'm giving my, you know, my best energy to the most important things while still maintaining the passion and I think the energy it takes to successfully produce television. As long as I feel like I'm able to do that with priorities in check, we're just going to keep moving forward. But it is a constant assessment and a constant shuffle. And of course, I have great support at home. My husband is fantastic. We have great family support, a terrific nanny. So all in all, it makes it work. But the flexibility, I think, and the priorities combined are what allow me to do it in a way that feels comfortable and feels um, satisfying to me. 
Well, I love it because I came up in January and mm-hmm. um, we had this influencer lunch and I invited you to come and you said, you know, I can't, that is my family time. And I like wanted to squeeze you. Oh. <laughs> I was like, that is the best. So do you have, do you have rules, like specific rules? I mean, of course you have like schedule where you like mark off family time, but do you have yeah. ways that, or like on Sundays, I kind of assess like where things are or. Sure. I, I'm pretty locked down to a schedule and I have to say, I'm so grateful that you took that, that polite decline in a positive way because sometimes I feel, I don't feel bad saying it. Sometimes I feel like I'm letting people down, but I have set myself up with um, kind of a personal schedule that I really try hard to stick with. You know, I'm home on certain afternoons and I'm in the office on certain afternoons. I take meetings in certain time periods and so far, I mean, it's not perfect. But so far, holding to that personal schedule um, has worked. And I find that for the most part, if you're open and, ex- you know, explain to people where you're coming from as far as your mother priorities and your mother heart, most people are more than willing to, you know, accommodate and support you in that, which again speaks to the gratitude I feel for people allowing me to do this journey and, you know, kind of walk the line, so to speak. But I, it's important to me to maintain those, those priorities and to make sure first comes first. But it's worked. It's not perfect, but so far it's worked. Um, One of the things that I, like when I think about you over the last 12, 13 years doing this, you're on camera all the time. And when I came up and talked to you, when I was interviewed last time, it was the day you were announcing that you were pregnant, right? Ah, yes, yes, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you leaned over to me and you're like, we're announcing that I'm having a third baby. (laughs) And I've been getting emails from people for weeks now. People are asking. emails have been coming for weeks. People were like, "Uh, where's the surprise here? Yes, of course you're pregnant. (laughs) But I, to me, like as a mom and as, you know, I've birthed the five babies. I've gone from, you know, the pre-baby weight to not to (laughs) post-baby weight and all that. And you were doing this all, all in front of people. And one of the things like you just laughed, you were like, yeah, people have been emailing me telling me that I, oh, yeah. that I tell me you're pregnant. I feel like you're pregnant. Oh yeah. <laughs> My favorite email came from this dear sweet viewer. She said, so I had Emmy in 2015, Boston in 2017, and this baby's coming in 2018 just to lay out the, the math of it all. But I had this sweet viewer write me prior to the announcement and say the official announcement and say, listen, uh, I left on my LDS mission with my husband in 2015 and you were pregnant. And when we came home, you were still pregnant, AKA <laughs> pregnant again. She goes, and now we're getting ready to go out again on the second mission. And I just, I just need to, an- to announce before my farewell, like this is number three, right? People were just <laughs> calling it out of the gate. So it's, it gets harder. I don't know if you experience this, but it definitely, I'm finding like, I ask my doctor every appointment, are we sure there aren't two in there? Are we sure there aren't three in there? Because, like, the body just knows where to go, right? It just, like, yeah. settles in. Yeah, there's less resistance. There's a lot less yeah, resistance. Yeah, there you go. Less <laughs> resistance. Less resistance. Totally. So how do you do that? Because you are doing this, I think, for me, even, you know, it's a hard thing without all these thousands of people looking at you and and watching you grow and then, you know, watching you go down or not go down as fast as you want <laughs> yeah, to, you know, yeah. like, how do you yeah. do that as like, how do you keep that confidence? And like, it just seems like not to bother you. But I think that that takes work. Like that probably doesn't just happen. Huh? I've never really stopped to think about it. That's a good question. I, it doesn't bother me. And I, I mean, certainly there are moments you'll hear me say often during these nine month stretches of pregnancy, like sure wish this wasn't playing out in front of cameras. There are certainly days like that where you think it'd be sure be nice to be home in my sweats and, you know, hiding this weight under an extra large t-shirt that I stole from my husband. There are days like that. And 
for sure I'll catch maybe a glimpse in a monitor or I'll walk by and see a commercial and think, oh, wow, like, are we sure there aren't three babies in there again? Are we sure? <laughs> but for the most part, I just, and I recognize this may be unique. I know for other people, other women, it might be a more of a battle, but body image has never been a personal struggle of mine. And I say that as a, a curvy gal, I've never been an extremely like stick skinny up and down sort of a girl, but it's never really bothered me. I really respect my body for what it's doing. I mean, I think any mom can appreciate after you go through that first birthing process, it's just a miracle what this, what these bodies are, are able to do. And it's what I feel like I was sent here to do. And so I really don't get too caught up in it. I don't get too worried about it. I know that it comes and it goes. And I just, the way I see it, I have way more wonderful things to worry about than what size of jeans I'm wearing. And that's not to say, again, I don't have those moments, but for the most part, body image hasn't really been a tripping stone for me. And I feel grateful for that because I can see where it'd be really easy, especially in this industry, to get caught up in the aesthetics and the physical appearance of it all. But I also think women are more forgiving than we give them credit for. I don't think anyone comes at it with ill intentions. We've all passed a woman on the street or even someone we know and thought, you know, in our brain, you think, I wonder, I wonder. Some people maybe have less vocal restraint and they say it out loud. (laughs) Like, is she pregnant or is she just enjoying Girl Scout cookies? I don't know. But I don't think any woman really ever, I haven't come across a woman anyway, who means ill by it, who means to be unkind or or rude. And so I just like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Are they curious? Sure. Are they going to ask? Sometimes maybe they will. Um, but I just have more wonderful things to worry about than weight or what a number says on a scale. So I, it hasn't been a tripping stone for me. And I guess I, I can say I'm grateful for that too. Well, I love it because um, one of the things that I think it does is allows people to be okay. You know, like if I don't have to worry about my weight, then guess what? You don't have to worry about your weight either. <laughs> I hope so. You know, so I really I love so. it. I I really love that aspect of you. And before I had ever met you and, you know, seen um, Studio 5, I just love that it, like, it, there's just an air of confidence. Like, it, this is fine. <laughs> this is good. You know, this is awesome. I'm pregnant. Right. Oh, that's good. I definitely feel that way. And I do think people are forgiving. You know, the women watching my show are wives and mothers who have been there and done that. So hopefully they'll give me some latitude, some extra wiggle room, no pun intended, as this body kind of (laughs) grows and fluctuates. And we hope one day it'll snap back. But if it doesn't, I hope I'll be okay with that too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that is actually one of the themes I've seen with you is that you are are just a champion of women. I was talking to, I interviewed your friend Jamie from Wandering Scout. Yes. Um, recently, she's the best. I and adore it. We, I don't know. You got a shout out in that interview. Oh, if I you did. haven't, I, yeah. I, I got to catch up. I yeah, need to go you got to catch up. And one of when I was talking about her, she was telling us how she just had moved back to Utah and she was kind of like, oh, what do I do? You know? And she's like, in a moment of courage, she's like, I, I emailed one of my BYU friends, Brooke Walker, and she's like, she is just a champion of women, like just where oh. most of the time people, especially in your industry, would, you know, be a little bit more catty or, you know, not give people a chance. You gave mm-hmm. her a chance. And so oh. I want to know what has made you this champion of women, because that's kind of what I see is your theme through I on your show that. and how we're talking and and even in how you view your body and, and also like motherhood. Like it's, I, it's refreshing to not, to hear you not feel like, just to say, I am doing my best as a mom and this is how I'm making it work. It doesn't look like everyone else's and that's okay, but this feels right for me. And to me, that is just an example of championing women, right? Oh, I love that so much. Thank you. Yeah. So how, how did you get 
to this point? Oh gosh, Michelle, such good questions. I, such I good. Should interview I people. don't know. I, I think you're doing great. <laughs> I have a quote that's framed and sits in my office, and now I wish it was right in front of me. So I'm going to do my best to paraphrase it. But it's by a woman named, I think Stephanie Schaefer. And she was a legal correspondent. I think she was a lawyer once upon a time. I don't know if she authored this or even where I first stumbled across this. But the quote says something to the effect of, when women you love, like when your friends make it, when they're up there among the stars and they're flying high and they've done it, they did it, they made it, celebrate them. And then she just goes on to say, clap, scream your lungs out, cheer, give them more ideas so they can shine even brighter. And I've kept that front and center in my office over the years, because that's, I mean, I'm truly sincerely touched by that kind of compliment you offered. I hope to be a champion for women. You know, I grew up with three sisters in an all girl family and we had a mom who I think um, really appropriately demonstrated that for all of us. She was actually my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Walker. And so at the age of five and six, she was my mom. She was also someone who kind of kicked off my educational and social experience. And I got to tell you, I keenly remember, even even at that young age, I remember her pulling me aside and saying things like, did you notice Jeanette didn't really have a friend on the playground today? Maybe you should head over there and see if she wants to play on the monkey bars with you. Or I distinctly remember her saying, did you notice that Lara spent so much time on that coloring page? Why don't you go tell her a good job? And I look back on that and I don't take those little kindergarten moments for granted or those little kindergarten prompts for granted because I think she was paving the way, and she did it for my sisters as well. Actually, she taught all of us at some point during our, our elementary education, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And she was able to kind of keep an eye out and be that mom slash teacher on the scene for us and help us maybe see the needs and, and also see the successes of those around us. And I think that was a really rare a rare gift that she gave us to be able to spot. She'd always say, you know, cheer, vote, clap for the underdog. And she'd always point us in the direction of those people who needed a boost. And that may seem like maybe an overblown theme for a five-year-old, but it wasn't lost on me. And I still, I still kind of hear her voice and, and, and feel her prompts as I look around now and see women who perhaps might need that extra boost or that extra friend or that extra support. And I hope her to make her proud in that way. She always, she drilled this family motto into my mind. And I know I speak for my sisters and saying their minds as well, but our family motto growing up was because nice matters. Mm. And she'd say it to us all the time, over and over. I could recite that at the young age of five, because nice matters. And then, you know, here in Utah, we had this huge vinyl lettering craze that hit in like the 1990s where you'd put phrases on your walls and you better believe because nice matters was all over our home, in our bedroom, in our bathroom, in our kitchen. And she just promoted that. So I guess under the umbrella of, you know, where did that desire to support and befriend and champion women come from? I'd have to credit my mom. And she instilled it at home. She was she was a huge, it was important to her that we were there supporting our sisters at every dance recital or soccer game. And I remember a couple of teenage battles where I didn't, I wanted to go hang out with my friends. I didn't want to go on Friday night to watch my sister play basketball, but she was pretty insistent on that female sister to sister support. And I think that had to I don't know, maybe along the way help pave that path. But it is the greatest joy as I as I connect with these women here in a television studio on a daily basis. It's the greatest joy to not only, you know, celebrate them, but learn from them. Like we have so much to offer each other woman to woman. And our journeys are so individual and so unique that I feel every woman who crosses my path and who comes through the doors of our studio, every woman has something to offer. And so it's been a great gift for me. I like to say I have a PhD in life because the opportunity to learn for all of these from all of these wonderful women, and I hope cheer them on and support them in their thoughts, ideas, opinions, and endeavors um, has just meant the world to me. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. 
podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. So what would you tell someone who, I, I don't think championing women is easy for every woman, you know? Hmm. And so I think that we are really good at helping when something goes wrong. Like I think yeah. that we're super yeah. quick to bring a meal. We're super there to be that shoulder to cry right. on you any minute. Right. But then when our friend succeeds, like sometimes that's what brings out the worst in us. So what advice would you give listeners to, like, is there a moment where you can flip the switch where you're like, wait a minute, like catch yourself to, you know, change the situation around. Is there any tricks that you could give us there? I don't know about tricks. And I, I think my, my path, my experience was maybe a little unique because I settled so quickly in such a fast and furious fashion into a career path and into a role that gave me some security and confidence. But I will say, I, I do feel like early on, and, and this could just be the, the nature of the television industry in general, but I felt like early on, I had female mentors around me who made me acutely aware of my strengths, but also sincerely aware of some weaknesses and we all have them, right? I don't, I don't feel bad in saying that I've acknowledged and accepted, even embraced some weaknesses. I think if we really come to know ourselves for good or for bad, for up or for down, for strength or for weakness, then we're able to kind of settle. I feel like there was an early settling that happened in my soul and not to say I didn't have those moments in my early twenties where I felt that competitive bite or that edge and I worked through that, but I think of some female mentors I had in my life, you know, the founder of Studio 5, Michelle Kettle Torsak, is a dear friend of mine. And she was one of those whispering spirits in my ear that was saying, you're great at this. And maybe this isn't your, she was just so sincere and honest. And I think having friends like that in our corner who are, you know, with our best interests at heart, helping us really chisel down to who we are and what we have to offer, the sooner you can settle in your own I won't say your own skin, I'll say your own spirit. The sooner you can settle into your own spirit and, you know, see yourself maybe through those godly heavenly eyes and recognize I have a lot to offer and I have a lot to learn. I think it allows us then to fall in line, so to speak, and to, you know, assume order and look around and see what other women have to offer as well. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just felt a settling happen maybe a little sooner than, than usual. I don't know that allowed me to accept what I'm here to do and what I'm doing and the opportunities I've been given. And also link arms and support other people who are having different opportunities and different experiences. And I, again, I credit those female mentors uh, that I was surrounded with early on who had my best interests at heart, but also were honest with me about what I have to offer and about other areas where I could maybe fall back, fall in line 
and pick up my pom-poms and get behind someone else. So I'm, I'm grateful for those honest, those honest friends. <laughs> well, I think that's a, a good differentiation because our greatest friends will also tell us the hardest things, right? In the nicest sure. way. And I love it. Sure. And what you're saying makes complete sense. Um, because I, I do think, I know mine came after I'd had a few kids, you know, where I mm-hmm. felt settled mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. like how I'm doing it is great because it's yes. how I need to do it. <laughs> yeah. And how, and what you were supposed to be doing. I really, I, I believe very little happens by chance. And that speaks to maybe my religious beliefs and my faith as well. But even in the news industry where I've seen the best of the best and the worst of the worst reported on a daily basis, I think very little is left to chance. And I trust that. I think the trick is having faith in that and then courage in it to be ourselves because that's that's where I see the, I don't know, the gap, I guess, because as I'm speaking to women, like one of the biggest things that people that I think holds people back in pursuing whatever their influence is. Cause here on the women with fire, like we really just want you to figure out your influence. Like where are you going to best serve? And mm-hmm. then let's figure out how to do it the best way. So mm-hmm. you do not have to have a business, right? You don't right. have to, right. you do not have to have a huge social media following, but how do you figure out what your influence is? serve just sit there and serve your guts out (laughs) serve your guts out I love that and it's a balance I think too and you touched on that balance so perfectly I sometimes look at I don't I don't want to I don't like to bag on the millennial generation but I look at some you know women coming up and I sometimes worry that we're approaching that line of balance um you know it's one thing to accept who you are and embrace that and that's good and wholesome and we should and we should always continue to better ourselves and improve. I'm not one to throw in the towel and say, I'm not this. I'll never be that. That's not exactly what I'm saying. Um, but it's that balance of embracing strengths, working on weaknesses and hope the two kind of coincide. But you're right. Every woman has something unique to offer. I believe that too. And so when, as we're talking about this, because like I said, with the people that we mentor or the people that are in our community, one of the things that is the hardest is that uh, the as when as we talk about motherhood our motherhood because we feel inspired to for me do the women with fire and do my other mm-hmm. projects and you know mm-hmm. because you're you feel like you need to be on studio 5 our motherhood looks different than maybe we imagined maybe what we think everyone else is doing and i mm. and that's i think that's a source of contention in I think inner inner turmoil for people because hmm. and I think it holds them back. And so how are how do you find that confidence? How do you how do you say this hmm. is just what I'm supposed to do and so I'm going to do it even if it looks a little bit different. Yeah, no that's a really good question and I I don't know. I'm trying to think how to best answer that. Smart questions, girlfriend. I don't know that I'm not offended by the question at all. I don't know that I am doing it all that differently. I have to tell you, maybe I don't know if this is where you're going. I don't want to lead the conversation too off track, but I don't, my calling in life is to be a mother and that Mm -hmm. purpose is clear and defined. And the choices I make surrounding that support that they surround that it's an underpinning. It's not a headline. Anything else I choose to do has to point upwards um, to that clear and defined purpose that I've, you know, for me, that's my purpose. That's what I know um, to be my role and my defining role on this earth. So 
as I make the decisions, it's, it's all surrounding kind of that center core. And I think you're right. Every motherhood journey looks so different. It's, it's funny when people say, how does it feel to be a career mom? Or how does it feel to be a working mom? I kind of blink and I'm not offended by the reference at all but I don't see myself that way. And I, that might sound so silly, but I see myself not as a career mom, but a mom with a career. And I don't see myself as a working mom. I see myself as a mom who works. And it kind of points back to those priorities. I had the opportunity to hear um, Sister Neil Marriott speak recently. At the time, she was a member of the Young Women General Presidency of the LDS Church. Um, she's since been released. She's an author. She wrote a beautiful book called Seek This Jesus that I just love. But I had the opportunity to hear her speak, and she she was asked about balance, like the female balance, kind of that you're touching on, the motherhood meets personal passions, meets callings and pursuits. And, and she described, I don't know if she actually articulated these words, but this is what I heard. She described kind of an old-fashioned scale where there's kind of a plate on either side and a chain connecting the two. And she said balance would imply that those plates are perfectly even. She said, and that's not how most women I know live. She said, most women pile on one side the priorities, the family, um, the womanhood, the motherhood, um, the spousal support. They pile that on to the point that the scale tips a little bit. And as I picture kind of my current balance, my current flow, if you will, that's what I picture. Definitely an unbalanced scale, but a prioritized scale. And it's not to say I don't throw my heart and soul into what I do. I, like I said, I believe in what we're doing at Studio 5. I hope we're inspiring women. And I wouldn't be here day in and day out if I didn't believe that that we were doing some good. But it points back to those priorities. You know, I'm a I'm a mom who works. I, I don't consider myself necessarily a working mom. And I feel like as long as those priorities are clear and your calling is clear, you can make decisions around that. And that's what I've done. Oh, I love it. I'm really glad that you took it down that road because everything you're saying is things I've been thinking about recently because ever since when I first was pregnant, I was six months pregnant and my I had to quit my job and go. We moved to Arizona. I didn't know anyone. My husband was in school, uh, so he was gone, you know, all the time. And so yes. from that moment before I even had a child, like I I was I was on Etsy, you know, I was doing these other things. And so I have been like really thinking about this. I was like, well, I've always been doing something like even if it wasn't very big and, but I've never ever considered myself a working mom. And, and then, but then people talk to me like they have, you have all this stuff going on. I was like, well, I, I don't know. I guess I'm working. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I am. See, but that, I think that speaks to, to what I'm saying. I I mean, you didn't feel like it was work because everything else was settled and organized and prioritized. I mean, that's when you know, things are flowing and humming. I think is when it doesn't feel like this heavy, overwhelming burden that's tipping your scale one way or the other in the wrong direction. And I've also, because once I was in this conversation with someone, um, and they were, they were just telling me how bad they felt for women my age who felt like they had to do it all and felt like they had to be on social media and all this stuff. And at the end of the conversation, I felt really weighted down. And then I Mm -hmm. thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, this isn't what I believe. Right. (laughs) Right. I am so grateful, so grateful for these opportunities. I just think that there also is, can be a mind shift for us, right? Cause, and it's, and it's how I see you carrying your as you talk about your job, it's all, you're very grateful. Like you're always looking at it with a view of gratitude and not, uh, you know, this day and age, you know, right, I, right, right. <laughs> all the technology. So I love, love that perspective. And I do it for my family. You know, a lot of, yeah. you know, we do things for different reasons and, yep. 
Um, again, there's there's more meaning there for me than just a paycheck. But at the end of the day, I'm here to support my family and to make their lives better and richer and to, you know, enrich our relationships through the experiences I'm afforded while doing this job and working this, working this side of it too. So I feel like it, they feed each other. They feed each other beautifully when those priorities and those boundaries are clear. Yep. Ah, very good. Okay. So I love it. So I, I want to ask you just like a couple questions about your interviews. Like, sure. Wh- Cause I want to know you've interviewed a lot of people, yes. <laughs> right? Is yes. there a number? I probably not have a number. Oh but. my gosh. Over 12 <laughs> years, I couldn't even count. So who are the people who you've interviewed, who you have just completely changed? They've changed your life. Oh my gosh. There are, I mean, 12 years. How do I count the ways? There are so many. And people always like to hear, you know, when I'm out speaking or when people approach me on the street with this type of a question, they always like to hear the fun ones. Like what was it like to talk to Jimmy Fallon in his studio? Or what was it like to interview then reality host Donald Trump right on the set of The Apprentice? And I've done all of those and they were fantastic and fun. And I always feel a little cheesy when I say, but the ones that matter the most to me are when honestly a woman has been willing and courageous enough to open her heart like raw and cracked out on the table And those are rare. Those are rare moments. I had one though, and maybe I'm just drawing from, you know, current recollect, but I had one about a year ago. I sat down with a woman named Sunny Mahe, and many of you may be familiar with her story, but she was thrust into the headlines unexpectedly, gosh, back in 2016, when her three-year-old died after a horrible home accident, she became entangled in window blind cords. And Sunny was there on the scene to free her daughter from the entrapment of those cords to perform CPR, to try to resuscitate that little baby girl. Anyway, I interviewed Sunny. That put her into the headlines. And previously, she was a collegiate athlete. She was on track to be the Olymp- to go to the Olympics in volleyball. Her husband is a well-known football coach for Brigham Young University. And, of course, he played for the Philadelphia Eagles, Reno Mahe. So we sat down as sort of just a get-to-know-you. And, of course, um, the accident and her daughter's tragic death did come up. And I left that interview. I can't even tell you. I was like I was wrapped in a spirit bubble. Like I felt tingles over my whole body because in front of me sat a woman who was so forward facing with her faith and who was demonstrating courage, even when talking about something that I know to this day is still so incredibly painful and brings her, you know, to tears daily still. But this woman, as I listened to her, was not only putting her faith forward, but she was putting her heart on the line and saying, look, I don't have all the answers figured out, but here's what I know. I know I'll see my daughter again. I know this was orchestrated, all of this, by a loving Heavenly Father who isn't trying to punish me or, you know, bring unnecessary pain. And and what I observed listening to this woman talk was that she had laid the bedrock. Like, she had her foundation in place. And I just drove home thinking, you almost feel selfish because I took away um, so much from that conversation. I know it was probably painfully difficult for her to be so open and vulnerable. But I drove home just feeling so grateful for women like her who are willing to crack open their heart and put out those strong themes. And even in the midst of her own trial and pain was willing to say, here's what I know. Here's what I'm figuring out. And here's what I've learned. And I the next day I came to work and I marched right up to my boss's office and I said, there's more here. Like I just did an interview with this woman that will chisel down to a four to five minute television piece, but there is so much more here. And I practically begged (laughs) for the opportunity to do this, to do an extended documentary on Sunny and her faith and her family. And anyway, it's not usually the project, especially at this stage of my own motherhood that I'm raising my hands and volunteering for, but after some persuasion and some 
um, generous open ears on behalf of the management here. We did produce a half-hour documentary that aired in conjunction with um, LDS General Conference this last April, our coverage of conference here on KSL. And I had a half an hour, which is a long time, in TV minutes to just sit down with Sunny and her family and explore those themes of, of motherhood and of faith. And I tell you, Sunny has something figured out. And so when you say, what's the, you know, what are the interviews that stick with you the most? They really are kind of the humble, everyday, woman-to-woman conversations where hearts are on the line. And I don't know why it's so hard for women to do that. I mean, that vulnerability is something we're talking about a lot lately, but I just so value when women are able to do that and to open themselves up, even in the raw, unfinished, unpolished hmm. thoughts and moments of their life and of their day and put it out there. And I felt stronger and better because of, I do feel stronger and better because of women like Sunny Mahe. And I guess that's a recent example that comes to mind, but there have been countless women over the years who have done that, who have just been open and vulnerable. And even though they didn't have it all figured out, they're willing to step forward and speak from the heart and kind of let the spirit do the teaching. And it's been a rich, rich learning opportunity for me. Yeah. Even as a podcaster, I get to interview all of these women who have had so many amazing experiences and and you know, I interviewed Morgan Jones, who writes for the Desert News, and yes. she she was she says the same thing. You know, it doesn't the famous people. I mean, they matter, of course. <laughs> but like it's not, but those were not her interviews that she that changed her. Yeah, it was the interviews yeah. of real people being willing to share their real hearts, and and that's how I've been changed. I've I have had interviews like that where I get off and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was that was powerful, you know, and. Yeah, it sticks to your spirit in a way yeah. that you almost can't describe. It's like you have this front row seat of humanity, this up close yeah. and personal opportunity, and you get it. It's just it stays with you, and so it's it's important to share and to be vulnerable and to and to let ourselves learn from one another's experiences. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that you would share your spirit. It's sticking to my spirit. <gasps> oh, thank <laughs> you. To I'm my so spirit. for the opportunity. I feel like this is just, it was just you and me, right? Just chatting, yeah. just two girlfriends shooting yeah, the breeze. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I like to wrap it up with my favorite question is, how have you seen God's hand in your journey? Oh, it's hard question. because, oh my goodness, it's everywhere. And you've good already question. kind of talked about it, but if there's a specific experience, that'd be awesome. Oh, I'm kind of tearing up. His fingerprints have been all over, all over this journey. And gosh, that's one of those like fundamental young women's lessons we always talk about is God's in the details. And, you know, God has you in mind and he has a plan and he has a path. And I can think back to my early 20s in particular, you know, moments of significant loss and heartache and times when I felt frustrated by that quote unquote paved path because surely this was not intentional and surely this is not on purpose and surely this is not how my story was supposed to go. And it's in t- on times in times like that, that I think you rely on the faith of others. And I did that. I did that pretty heavily several times during my twenties as things weren't quite unfolding the way that I thought they would. And so, you know, you rely on the faith of a mom and of sisters and of friends who can maybe pull you through, but isn't it a beautiful thing to look back now? And I'm sure I'll say this again in 10 years mm-hmm. and hopefully in 10 more years, but I look back and I think, gosh, that's the element lesson that now I can testify to with absolute surety is that his hand is in all of it. And, you know, they say perspective hindsight's 2020 and all of those, all of those phrases But at the end of the day, I do look back and just see his fingerprints all over every single turn and direction. 
And it's something that one day I hope to be able to offer that faith, that faith line, that lifeline to somebody else. And, and if they need to write along on my, on my promise there that it's on purpose and that it's, it's meant to be, then I hope I can give that gift to someone because there were people who dragged me along when I was <laughs> doubting and, and feeling confused about it as well. But it's a beautiful thing to feel confident in that. And I hope that that truth always stays emblazoned in my heart because it's such a confidence-boosting reassurance that someone else much more wise and powerful is in charge. And I feel that every day. Oh, Brooke, I love you. And I really feel so grateful that your gifts and talents are being shared as they are because there are not enough good women voices. There just aren't. Uh, and I feel so grateful that you are have such a prominent place because you are one of those good women. And so thank you so much for being on oh, our thank podcast. you, Michelle. Anytime. I'm such a fan. You're doing such great things. So I, I'm just honored to be looped into your circle. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of The Women With Fire. Please come and join the conversation over on Instagram at The Women With Fire and share this out. If you have friends who walk, watch Studio 5, send them over. They're going to love to listen to Brooke. And we'll see you guys next week. Hey, thanks for listening to The Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.